0: few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. i really excited about this sermon series we're going to preach. Uh, there's, 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 there's stories I like in the Bible. Uh, there's, 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 characters I like in the Bible, and then there's books that I really like in, in the Bible. Not every book in the Bible I like. I don't really like Leviticus. Have you ever read the Bible? I'm not, it's not like I don't go to Leviticus for fun and read Leviticus in the morning. And uh, But this book, uh, every couple years in, in the line of work that I do, uh, which I think a lot of you build businesses or entrepreneurs are seeking to be used by God, this is a book that uh, we're going to go through that. We'll, we'll, we'll guide you. Here's what I want you to do. I want you to take your right hand like this. I want you to put it on your heart. You feel, you feel your heart? Some of you, are you awake today? <laughs> what, what's it doing? Beating. It's beating at all of our campuses. I, I read something this week. Just keep it there for a second. I read something this week, and it said, put your right hand on, on your heart. Feel it. That's what you call purpose. There, there, there's, there's something inside of you that god wants to do in your life you can take it take it down i've, I've told you this before uh, it if the point of this life was just to get saved to just prepare for the next life and that's all that god wanted to do with your life uh, then then as soon as you responded to the gospel of jesus christ that he would stop that that heart and you would you would spend eternity with him because honestly there's nothing better than that we just talked about that last week but i told you i said for me I live with what I would call the promise of eternity, but I also live with the purpose of eternity. So I know that not only for most of us, not only does God want to save us, but then he wants to use us. Our heart doesn't immediately stop. And so after that, we need to evaluate, God, what do you want to do with our, with our life? And here's what I want you to understand. God wants you to be an influencer. He, he, he wants you to do something incredible for his kingdom, not for your glory. He doesn't want to build a platform for you. He doesn't want to make you famous, but he wants to use your life to make him famous. On the other side, it just creates uh, uh, insecurity, co- competition, often addiction, often fear, anxiety when you build yourself, but when you live your life for God's glory as an influencer for his kingdom, Lord, there, there's peace there. Uh, there, there, there's joy there there's security there. You're not competing with other people. And so I'm really excited about this because my greatest hope for this church is that we would raise people that influence the change that our world needs. That you would you would leave because some of you are saying, of course you know you're supposed to be used by God because you stand on a stage and I go change dirty diapers on Monday. That's my job. I'm a stay-at-home mom or, or I just go and clean, all right? I just... I just balance books, or I'm a cashier, or I'm a full time student, or, or, or whatever you. And I think sometimes we think, I don't know how God uses me. I know how He uses me at church. I know when I come on Sunday and I park cars and I, and, and I, and I watch kids and I do, like, I know God's used me, but I don't really know how that translates. To the rest of the week. And I believe God wants you to understand you have influence and the ability to change this world. I want you to understand this. It's kind of a similar conversation I have with my, with my team I'm coaching right now. I coach my, my, my son's soccer team. Uh, and, and it's difficult. Coaching kids now is difficult because what I found is most of them don't want to play anymore. And they just kind of want this. They're in it for the snack. They're not in it to win it. They just want the snack. And so actually a kid got hurt yesterday in Harrison's game and came running off the field. Kids get hurt. They're four or five-year-old. They get hurt all game long. And so you spend half the game watching kids cry, running to each other. And the one, the one girl came running off and her, her, her brother came up to her and, and she's bawling and crying. He says, here, take a juice box. It'll make you feel better. <laughs> I mean, they're in it for the juice boxes. They're in it before the game even starts. And so I'm trying to explain to them, every one of you is important on this field. Every one of you is important even on on the bench. All of us have something that we need to do. We need to communicate. We need to hustle Every. Play is important. This is the first year it's about winning and losing. Thank God. Every every person on this team, every time we practice, every dribble you take, everybody on this field has the ability to be a big part of of this team. And I want you to hear that same thing. I feel like I want to coach you. And I want you to to hear me say that to you, that, that God has a big, purposeful plan. He wants you to be influential for his for his kingdom. In fact, I know that because it says it in Philippians 1. Watch what it says. It says, be confident of this. Watch this. That he who began a good work, what did he do? He saved you. That was the beginning of the good work, but he didn't didn't take you to heaven, so there's still work to do. That he who began a good work in you will carry it on to the completion until the day of Jesus Christ, until Jesus comes back or your heart stops beating and you meet Jesus in, in, in eternity. Until that point." You better believe that he has a good work for your life. And so the title of my message today is, is pretty simple. Uh, God calls you to a good work. God calls you to a good work. Look at your neighbor and just tell him. Say, God calls you. That's weak. That's so weak. You guys are awful. If we're going to have fun today, you're going to have to participate. All right? I'm going to tell, tell you like I tell the little, little kids on my team. There ain't no snack at the end of this, this game. Look at your neighbor and say... You can go to Wawa for that, right? Maybe we should pass that little Capri Suns when you leave. Look at your neighbor and say, say God wants to use you. There you go. God wants to use your, your, your life. And so what I want to do is I think sometimes we say, okay, I, I understand that, but how do I recognize that? Because I figured out how he wants to use me. I know how he wants to use me. This is not This is not what I would pick. If I could choose something else, it would not be to stand up here on stage on Sunday morning. I probably wouldn't be up at 830 in the morning. Like it's just not if in, in my carnal, self-centered, uh, uh, egotistical, this is if Jesus didn't save me and set me free, I wouldn't live the life that I, that I live. This is not the life that I would have picked for myself. This is a life that I feel called to. When you're called to something, it's different. You just keep, keep going because you know you've been called to it. So I figured out what I'm supposed to do with my life, but I think some of you go, how do I, how do I recognize that? Like How do I know? Does, does God use everybody the same way? How do I how do I know when God's called me? So what I want to do is I want to spend the next four, maybe five, maybe we'll spend ten weeks. I'm not sure until you get it. Uh, I, I, want to spend, I want to spend time in my favorite, one of my favorite books of the Bible. is called Nehemiah. And the reason I like Nehemiah uh, is because he's, he's just a normal guy. And in fact, he's, he's, uh, he's about as far away from a guy that you would think would be used to do what he's about to do a, 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 as possible. I mean, he has a cush job. The Bible says he's a cupbearer. We're going we're to see this in the story, which means his main job is to taste the wine for the king and, and to throw parties. I mean, this dude has a phenomenal job. The, the sun has shined on, on, on him, right? Like he was a professional party thrower. Think of the people that you idolize. Look at their life and you go, man, they're great. They have a blog. They do workouts. They do this. They do that. This guy had that type of, of life. And you're going to see in the story that God completely changes who he was. He has no theological background. Uh, He's not in school for what he's about to do. He simply meets God and God pulls something out of his life. And he recognizes, and I'm going to show you this today and we're going to keep going. He recognizes God wants to use my life in an influential way. So we'll turn to the book of Nehemiah chapter one, and we're going to read a pretty big portion of scripture. So stick, stick with me. The Bible says, and I I, I just want to introduce you. It says, these are the words of Nehemiah. So this is, this is written by Nehemiah about Nehemiah. He says, In the month of Kislev, in the 12th year, while I was at the citadel of Susa, and I, one of my brothers, came from Judah with some other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. Now, I'm going to explain all this to you in a second. I want to read it, then explain it. And also about Jerusalem. That's his home, that's where he, w- he was from. They said to me, Those who survived the exile are back in the province. They're in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down, and its gates have been burned. With fire, when I heard these things, I sat down and, and wept. So he's telling us, this, this, this conversation wrecked me. For some days I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. And, and here, here's his prayer. He says, Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keeps his commandments, let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night for, for your servants. The peace of Israel, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself and my father's family, have committed against you. We have acted very wickedly towards you. We have not obeyed the commands, decrees, and laws you gave your servant Moses. Remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, If you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and bring them to the place I have chosen as a dwelling for, for my name. We see this in scripture. They, 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 they rebel. God kind of takes his hand of protection off them. They're, they're in the middle of this, this season. They are your servants and your people whom you redeemed by your great strength and your mighty hand. Verse 11 says, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this, your servant, and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success. He's, we're going to see next week. He's about to go talk to the king. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in the presence of, Of this man, and I love this last part. Watch what he says I was a cupbearer, not I am a cupbearer. In other words, what he's saying is this moment changed who I was, I had this cush job. Let me give you a little background, 586 BC, a man named Nebuchadnezzar, we learned about this last year, if you were with us for the story of of Daniel, we talked about the book of Daniel, Nebuchadnezzar is the the most powerful ruler in the world at that time, Babylonian empire, they come in to, to, to Jerusalem, and they... They ransack it, they burn down the temple, they destroy the walls, they kill people, they steal people, they take the best and the brightest from Israel back to make them slaves of the Babylonian empire, to indoctrinate them. This is the story of of Daniel. Everything is left in ruins. They leave the worst of the worst back there. The people that nobody else wants, the old people, the, the crippled people, the people that can't do anything, they say, you can stay here in this messed up country, and they take them to a far off land. Fifty years later, a new empire shows up. It's the Persian Empire. If you were with us when we talked about the Queen Esther, remember her? She was a Jewish girl that was part of that exile. She's now living far away from Jerusalem, and she finds favor, and becomes, becomes the queen of, of, of the Persian Empire, of the king Xerxes. And because of that, the Jewish people begin to find favor. And the Persian Empire, instead of burning down uh, Jerusalem, they begin to send people back to, to rebuild it. A man named Ezra, as a priest, goes back and begins to rebuild the temple. This is about 150 years later. And, and even though the temple was rebuilt and the city is starting to you know, find its infrastructure again and people are returning. There's many Jewish people still far from the country. And this is the story of Nehemiah. Nehemiah is living a Cush life away from where he his, his family was from. It doesn't say if he was born there. We're not sure. I'm assuming he's not because it's 150 years since it happened. So he's born away from, from Jerusalem, but he's a Jewish man living a Cush life, for serving wine to the most powerful man in the world at this point. And, and he hears about his, his country that he's really never been to and maybe never seen, but he hears the walls are torn down. And he begins to understand, you can rebuild a city, but if you don't build the walls to protect it, it doesn't matter how beautiful the city is, the next great empire that frowns against Jerusalem will come in and destroy the city. And the Bible says his heart breaks for these people. His, his heart breaks. And he wants to let us know this moment right here, is a moment that I'm never going to be the same again. I was a cupbearer up until this moment. And here's my prayer that some of you would have that same that same story. I was going to school for this, I was pursuing my own dreams, I was trying to make myself famous, I had this blog, I had this network marketing, I was pursuing this career, I was doing all of these things for myself, but in that sermon series, that first first Sunday when he talked about it, I had the same type of experience, I was this. But God began to do something in in my life. And what I found is when you come in contact with God's plans for your life, oftentimes this type of change happens. You have all these plans, you're going to do all these things, and then God steps in and he begins to shift your plans. And he says, I want you to know I'm never going back. This is the moment my life changed. And maybe you're going to have that. And I want to show you three things that happened In this moment, I can tell you from experience these things that have happened in my life. And I think that they're pretty, they're pretty normal. These these are kind of the steps that happen. And so let me give you three things that God will often do when he begins to pull your heart uh, and want to use you in an influential way for his kingdom. Number one is this, is God will often break something in you before he makes something out of you. You need to write that down. Because everybody wants to be used by God, but they don't want that step. Like they want, they want it to be fun. Let me tell you something. There is nothing fun about being used for God. Nothing. There's joy to it. But, but very rarely do I wake up and say, yeah, I get to pastor today. Yay. get to show up with people. Some of them not going to be here. Some of them are going to skip. Some of them, are like, like it, it, very rarely do I wake up and go, yippee. I wake up with joy. I wake up with purpose. I wake up with passion. I'm excited to come share the, the word of God. But, but I've understood for a long time that before God makes something out of you, he needs to often break something in you. What did he say? When I heard these things, I, I did what? I sat down and I wept. Don't you think his brother was like, dude, what's wrong with you? I mean, I... I saw the walls that came back, told you it's bad. Like, what's, why are you, Nehemiah, get it together. Be a man. I know you're a cupbearer. You don't even have calluses on your hand. You don't even know what a hammer is, right? (laughs) Get it, get it together, bro. And he's, he's weeping. And I don't know if you've ever been there. I think we teach ourselves in society, and I've been guilty of this, that weeping is what? Weakness. In fact, my kids have gotten hurt before at school. They come home and tell me. I'll say stuff like, "Dad, I got hurt today. My first thing is, did you cry? Did you go to the nurse? Did you? Listen, you wipe a juice box on everything. You're fine. What what am I telling them? Don't cry in front of people. Don't show them that you're." that's that's your weak. in fact I remember one time in baseball Carter got drilled he was playing catcher because no one else wanted to play catcher and he got drilled up on the side of of, with the ball up on the side of his of where where his pad was he was so big it shifted over and he just dropped and it was the middle of the game and I was running up I was like dude don't cry don't just hold it together we'll get you to the dugout then you can can cry don't show the other team weakness and we we do these things with 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 ourselves with God as men, we don't even know what a man, we're going to do a sermon series coming up in June about, about sexes and gender, and we're going to, it's going to be fun. We don't even know what a man looks like anymore. We don't, like, men don't cry. What, 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 do we, what do we know? Men don't have emotion. Men don't do this. And here, here's what, what, what I know, what I need you to understand. Weeping is, is not necessarily a sign of weakness. In fact, I would say weeping is almost a natural reaction to the presence of God. Can I, can I tell you that again? Weeping, if you ain't ever wept in God's presence, you ain't ever been in God's presence. Because it will flatten you to your knees. I can't tell you, I can tell you when I got, I can give you examples, but I'm just going to give you two. When I got saved when I was 18 years old on the, on the, the, the steps of, of Hershey, and I think sometimes you guys think I make that up, and sometimes I even thought I made that up until my aunt <laughs> told my wife. I remember I was there at that same convention, I was a sponsor. And I remember looking over and seeing, she calls me Stevie. I remember Stevie breaking down on those steps. I can't tell you, listen, I wasn't even there for God. I was looking for my girlfriend who was in another youth group across the Hershey Arena. I was walking up the steps to go into the the thing you walk around at the arena to go find her. And as I was peacing out on the presence of God, something dropped me to my knees. And my day, my my life changed there. I was a joke of a teenager. I was looking for my girlfriend, but God said, no, 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 no. And I remember just weeping. I can't tell you how many times in, in, in church over the last few few years that we've, we've been going through stuff as a church because if God wants to, to, to make something out of you, he has to do what? He has to break you. And so we constantly are feeling the pressure of being broken. I can't tell you how many times that I've walked into this, this building right here. I put my white headphones in. With my iPhone, and I've blasted a song, and I have sung as loud as I can possibly sung as I have done Jericho walks. If you don't know what a Jericho walk is, you weren't in church in 1990. That's when the Pentecostal church started getting crazy, right? And started marching around the walls. We don't know the story of Jericho. You yell and everything falls down. I don't know if we want that part of the story or not, but I'll do a little Jericho march around these chairs, and I'll just begin to pray, and God will break me in that moment, and I'll, I will weep. Weeping is a sign that you are in God's presence. And here's what I know. God often builds his strength in you through moments of holy sorrow. You know what I found out when I was studying this this week about Nehemiah? One of his jobs of being the cupbearer was to never be too emotional. There's actually historical data That gives accounts of cupbearers having bad days and going into the presence of the king because their job is to set the the culture, the the mood, uh, make sure the party's right, and going in with, with the wrong demeanor on their face and the king killing them. I mean, he would have grown up suppressing these feelings of 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 pain and and bad days he he, he would have been all hyped up on on wine and probably drugs I'm not sure what he took to always he was taking some kind of happy pill if you know what I'm saying this was this was a feeling he would suppress and he gets into the presence of God and what happens the thing that was buried deep down inside of him that he was going to need to be effective for the will and the call of God God brought back up and some of you have suppressed insecurities and you, you've suppressed uh, 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 talents and all sorts of things. You're going to get in the presence of God and he's going to break you wide open. He's going to pull things out of you that you didn't know were in there. But he will do it through moments of holy sorrow. And here's why it's so important. Everything great that we do for God's kingdom starts with a broken heart. Everything. Doesn't start with the selfish heart because that's about you. Doesn't start with the salty heart because that's about you proving somebody else wrong. It starts with a broken heart. Where you go, God, God, just use my life. God, I'll, I'll do anything. God, I feel what you feel about these people. I feel what you feel a- about this country. I feel what you, you feel about this, 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 these, 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 these people that are struggling in this economic status or these people that are suffering, or these people that don't have water to drink. God, I, I feel. I feel what you feel. The Bible says in Romans 5, these moments are good. Watch what Paul says. He says, not only so, but we also glory in in our sufferings, in the moments that we're being broken. Why? Because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance, character, and character, hope. James 1 says, consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face, face sorrow, trials, suffering of many kinds. Why? Because you know that the testing of your faith... Produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Before God makes something of you, he has to break something in you. How do you begin to be influential with God? You pray this, God, break my heart. God, break my heart. Why has Journey Church been influential for the last 13 years? Broken heart. We live with a broken heart for our world. We live asking God to allow us to feel how your neighbors, how they feel, how your loved ones feel, how it feels to be far from God, how it feels to live in fear and anxiety and and brokenness and and, and lossless. Every great company that has ever existed in this world began with somebody that influenced. I'm not talking about a one-generation company, but influenced, changed, and and, and made made, made a dent in history, started with somebody that had a broken heart. God, break my heart for what, for what break yours. If God wants to use you, he first has to, to break you. Number, number two, in this, moment, you others, others in, in this moment, God will often begin to show you things that others seem to miss. In this moment, God will often begin to show you things that others seem to miss. What did his brother see? Broken wall. That's what he saw. He saw facts. He stated facts. It's like when you see there's a broken wall there. The, 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 the people are suffering there. Those people are going through things there. What does is, what, what is Nehemiah see? He doesn't see it as, as a fact. Here's a statement of facts. What does he do? He, he, he hears it as a call to act. In other words, he, he sees something different. He doesn't see a broken down wall. He sees a calling. He sees a possibility. He, he, he sees and hears God saying, go do this. You will often begin to see things that others seemed to miss. I knew this was happening to me when it came to church uh, because I would start to see things that ticked me off. Like normal things in church that I would say, these aren't, these aren't right. Let me give you an example. I'm from Phoenixville and so I walk up and down in town all the time. I get my hair cut downtown and on the the corner of Church Street and Main Street, there's a museum. Used to be a church. One time I I, I did some studying on this because it ticked me off. It ticked me off that there used to be a church there that reached people far from God, and now they were showing Civil War artifacts. It, it ticked me off that they, the National Historical Society owned it, and, and and the people of God built it. It, t- it ticked me off. It was like, and I, for most people, they just walk right by there. But for me, I'm like, this ain't right. That ain't right because that's what's happening to churches all over America. They forgot what they're about. They forgot why they do what they do. They forgot they're supposed to be a light, a city on a hill that cannot be hidden. They forgot what church is all about. And so now for most people, church is a thing you do for an hour a week. It's a thing you dress up for maybe. It's a thing you go to class for and you kind of get indoctrinated into your faith. And your life never changes. You never feel called. And you never live with purpose. And the church is dying all over America. And so it, it didn't just tick me off. It pissed me off. So I started studying, and I was like, this thing. I'm like, how old is this church? church was built in the 1800s. It used to be a Mennonite church. It was a Mennonite meeting house. I don't know what that means, but it sounds fun. <laughs> and then a Lutheran church took it over, and the Lutheran church kept it, but until about, about 1980, the building was dilapidated. Then the, the, the Historical Society bought it, and I just, it broke my heart. And I started to see things like that that just drove me nuts. And sometimes I think when you see things that other people don't see, they think you're crazy. And sometimes I think we get, we get frustrated. With them. I think even the conversation with Nehemiah and his brother. His brother was like, the wall's broken down. He kind of just kept going. And Nehemiah's like, What? the walls broken down. He starts crying. His brother's like, what's wrong with you? And he starts to see maybe a plan. You're going to see it, a plan in his head, uh, a plan of action, uh, processes, steps, uh, a prayer that he's going to pray to go have a conversation that could or could not cost him his life. I mean, with, with the king, like he starts to see things that other people w- were missing. And I found sometimes in my life that I get frustrated with people because I'll see things that other people don't see in the areas that God has called me. And, and God has kind of called me down the area and say, here's why you see him. Because you're supposed to do something about it. And you'll start to see that God will begin to show you things that other people don't see. But you'll know, notice in Nehemiah, what did he do? He didn't get mad at everybody else. Everybody else, let's go build the wall. Why aren't you seeing things right? What does he do? He gets his mind right with God. He doesn't complain about it. He doesn't ignore it. He handles it. He realizes this is God's call on his life. You see, I stopped being frustrated with people a long time ago because there's some people who simply are not called to what I'm called to. And I'm okay with that because I realize that God will not only break me before He makes me, but God will often give me things to see that other people simply won't see we call this outside eyes this is like a group of women who are hanging out uh, moms hanging out at a playground and all of you are so busy taking care uh, uh, of your kids and trying to make sure they're not going missing and not breaking a leg and don't jump off there and shut don't eat that and you can't eat that bark and stop licking your brother and all sorts of things like that and meanwhile there's that single mom that's just trying to make it off in the corner and everybody is so busy doing their thing and taking care of their kids except for that one mom that one mom who God wants to use to be a, to be a light to the, maybe the moms like this. And she, everybody else don't see it, but that, that one mom sees it. Her heart, she can feel it. She can feel because she's been broken, because God's taken us in. She can feel how that, that girl feels. Or maybe maybe it's the kids in school. And you, all the kids are going, going in, they walk in, they sit at their table in the cafeteria and they all sit down and they're eating, they're talking and they're making, making noises with their body and they're on their phones. Then there's that one kid off in the corner that's sitting by themselves, you know who I'm talking about? And your kid, because God is starting to help them to see things that other people don't see, sits down and is talking and looks up and sees them and they're the one that goes over and sits with them. That's called outside eyes. You begin to see things that other people don't see. God will... God will often do this in in your life and what happens is you you can't in those moments get frustrated with other people because God's calling you you to go do it. Don't talk about how messed up and evil that the world is. Nehemiah, man, I can't believe the wall's not up. Where's all the builders? Where's all the people that have been exiled? What have they been doing? They're lazy. What does he say? God, that's me. I was a cupbearer, but this is breaking my heart and I'm going to go do something. I see things other people can't see. You ever been there when you like, see something in a tree and you're like, hey, for me, it's like, Leah, look at that bird. She's like, what bird? I'm like, there's a big tree right there and there's a red cardinal right there. You see that bird is so pretty. Look at that bird. What she do? What bird? I don't see it. And I take her head and I, and I don't, not in a mean way, I just go, it's right there. It's, it's right. And then the bird just flies away and you get so mad. How do you not see what I see? Because God has not called them to be what you're gonna be. He's gonna, he's gonna break you, and then He's gonna make you. He's gonna cause you to see things that other people don't see. And then here's number three that's so important. He's gonna cause you to care for something that other people could care less about. He's gonna cause you to care. You ever been there where you're like you meet people, they're like, ah, this, this wasn't made, this was made in a sweatshop. Right? These clothes are not organically made. They're grown on this. And you're like, okay. But this was 7 dollars at the store. People get so mad. Or you, you, you you're people that drink organic stuff. And you're like, you know how they treat those, those cows? And you're like, yeah, but Audi's is only $2 for a gallon of milk. And so people get so mad at you. Or, or maybe it's a show that you watch. My wife, she watches a show called Chesapeake Shores from time to time. Actually, our whole house watches it. Sometimes she'll watch shows like that, and she, she just gets emotional, not because it's a phenomenal show. I'm like, this is, the, this is, like, this is not that good of acting, but she watches a show, and, and she, she gets emotional. And the reason she gets emotional is because uh, she, she likes like she, the way it makes her feel, the city that it's in, the family environment. That that, that they, they represent. All the kids are kind of home, and they're all living in this big big house together. And it's it's, it's the kind of life that she she envisions. Maybe without the kids moving back, just visiting. And so she lo- she gets emotional when she watches it. I'm like, what's wrong with you? This is this is this is this is on Hallmark Channel. That stands for bad acting channel, right? Wait, what is wrong? Like, why are you so emotional? It's because she cares about things that maybe I don't care about. The truth is the reason she cares so much about that is and and why she's so good at her current job at this church is because she's passionate about the way people feel she wants them to to feel accepted she wants them uh, to feel how God feels about them so she's built that into this church and she's she's passionate about that and there's some things that that I go man I don't really care about that but but you do because God's called you to be influential there And what I found is God will often do that in our lives so we'll begin to cause you to care for things but other people could care care less about that's the only explanation for Nehemiah think about it his heart breaks 150 years people have been walking by this wall and a cupbearer, in a far off land here's about a wall that has never been up probably in his lifetime most of his family he is probably close he doesn't really know maybe some ancestors some distant relatives are there and somehow God breaks his heart And those moments are offered to us as well. When in the presence of God we begin to weep and in, in our weeping and our sorrow, he begins to make us strong. and he begins to allow you to see things that other people can't even see about your life. That's the beginning of a God dream. You see things others can't see and you begin to care about things that others could care less about. you ever wonder why we do what we do at church? Why, why do we seat the way we seat or put plug ins and make it smell the way that, that it smells or? Or, or park the way that we park, it's because we care about things most people can care less about. Not because we're better, but because we've heard God clearly call us. We also we also don't care about things that other people care a lot about, like like waking up early. Like parking your car far away and walking, God forbid. Or a Limerick, parking it in the grass so that other, somebody else who is not yet there can park on the blacktop. Like we do things that other people really care about. That's how God begins to work. You begin to care about things that other people can care less about. You begin to see things that other people miss. And God often starts with breaking you. Every great influencer for God starts with a broken heart. Some of you want to be used by God, but you have refused to allow God to break you you refuse God I want to have purpose well it starts with pain God I want you to speak to me well it starts with clearing all that junk out God I want, I want to hear you well it starts with making time you'll notice in scripture what does he do the Bible says for days he prays and fast you know what that means he didn't eat he, he was so jacked up that he just stopped eating and he went by himself and he just prayed and he fasted and he got himself prepared just like Jesus did before he was used on this earth He's going to break you before he makes you. So here's, here's what I would say to you. Some of you are like, I still don't know what I'm supposed to do. Here's three questions that I would, I would start with in your life. And I would write these down somewhere. If you have your Bible app, I will go back to these. The three questions. Number one is this. What breaks your heart? What breaks? If you're just working at a job and you're not working from a place of a broken heart, you're wasting your life. You're wasting your life. You, you can do any job that God calls you to do, any career. There's not a godly career, an ungodly career, so maybe a couple, right? But most careers that we choose, the, God is, is, is neutral on them, it's how we see them. If you're not going to that place, if you're a teacher, if you're not teaching with a broken heart, you're wasting your life. It's not a, just a job. If you're doing finance and it's not breaking your heart, watching people use their money in a wasteful way, be completely in debt, get divorced, be angry. If you're whatever career you're in, if you're not working from a broken heart, whatever you are, I can look around and know you guys. I know there's people that sell houses, sell houses from a broken heart. Realizing that the family is falling apart and that home represents peace and security and, and joy. Sell, sell from a broken heart. Clean toilets from a broken heart, right? What did you do? What did you eat? Oh, yeah. <laughs> Whatever you do, the Bible says to so do it as if you're doing it unto the Lord. Do it from a broken heart. What breaks what breaks your heart? What makes you angry? Like, like mad, like people are like, what's wrong with you? Why are you so, t- it makes me, makes me angry. What makes you angry and what do you care about that others, that others don't? Now here's the kid. it has to be for God's glory. It has to be to make him famous. Because if it makes you famous, it ends up taking you down a path that would just leave you, leave you empty. But if it makes him famous, if it lists the name of Jesus up, that leads to peace and security and, and purpose. God will break you before he makes you at all of our campuses. God will begin to, to show you things others seem to miss, and God will cause you to care for things. Other people they just care less about. Would you stand with me all over this house? Would you bow your heads and would you close your eyes? And I want you to put your hand on your heart one more time all over our campuses. I want you to feel that. Not only does that represent purpose, but those beats in your chest represents one chance. You got one chance. Every beat that your heart beats is one beat closer to death. And life is a gift. It's filled with purpose. Listen, we live live with the promise of eternity through Jesus Christ. But I want my church to live with purpose. I want you to know that God wants you to be influential for his kingdom. That whatever you do, you can do it for God. My prayer is that he would begin to break your heart. Some of you in this place, that you would have that type of moment right now. That this would not just be a typical altar call. Where you check out because you're already saved. But that you would begin to say, God, break my heart. God, mold me into what you want me to be. God, enable me to see things in my life that others seem to miss because you have a specific purpose and plan for me God begin to birth a care in my life for things that other people just walk by you're going to see over the next few weeks a miracle that takes place in a heart like this you're going to watch as this man begins to set this, this, this building project up and he accomplishes something historical in 52 days that's what happens when you give your life to Christ He accelerates it. He takes you places you can never go on your own. He pulls things out of you. You didn't know were in there. God, would you break our hearts right now? God, break our hearts. God, I want to live our life with purpose and meaning. And some of you in this place, you're going, man, I don't have a relationship with God. So I don't even know what we're doing right now. Can can I just stop for a second and just allow you to understand how much God loves you? The Bible says He loves you so much that before... you ever got your life right the Bible says while you were still a sinner that he sent his son Jesus Christ to die on a cross for your sins and he knows everything you've done he knows everywhere you've been he knows every mistake And here's here's you can't pay it back you can't become good enough you can't become religious enough I don't know if you ever realized that but people that become religious just get more angry because it creates more insecurity but there's another way a better way it's the way of the gospel and the gospel teaches not that we get to god but that he gets to us and i believe that god has set this moment up in time that he's brought you to this this church he's put you at that campus he sat you in that seat and his word has gone forth right now into your life and the Bible says that he knocks at the door of your heart right now, that same heart that is filled with purpose. Maybe right now it feels broken. Maybe right now you feel alone. Maybe right now you feel ashamed that God is the healer of hearts. And he will put you back together. That he will use you. But your very first step is to invite him into your life. The Bible says that you would confess with your mouth And you would believe in that same heart that Jesus is Lord. That he died on the cross for your sins. That he was placed in a tomb and in power. On the third day he rose from the grave. Not only did he pay for your sin, but he defeated death and hell. And it's in him that we have life. Jesus said of himself, there's no other way back to God except through me. We don't achieve it. We receive it. Right now I want to receive you, Jesus, as my Lord and Savior. I want to pray with you as we close. That same heart... That needs to be filled with purpose right now. No longer needs to be broken. No longer needs to carry around shame. No longer needs to carry around mistake. Look, right now, God wants to come in and make you whole. So if you're here right now all over our houses, there's a campus director standing in Limerick and Plymouth meeting in Royersford, and you say, hey, my heart's broken. Today I want it to be whole. My heart feels shattered, but I want Jesus to put it back together. My heart came into this place full of shame. Well, Scripture says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus our Lord. I want my life to matter. I want my life to matter. It begins with a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you're in this place with nobody looking around, and you say, that's me, I want to pray with you as we close. I'm going to lead you in a short prayer. Maybe you're not a praying person. You're just simply going to speak as if you're speaking to a friend. God, I want to have a relationship with you. I want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. I want to receive him as my Savior. That's all you're going to say. And in this moment, in this moment, he's going to save you and he's going to set you free. But what we do at this church is just like as a a father when my kids need me without using any words, they simply shoot their hands towards me. And that means pick me up that's the exact same thing that we do one bold step of faith this is an important moment how you start anything is a great indicator of future success i'm gonna live my life with boldness and so i'm gonna make this decision in a bold way right now is gonna be my day right now is gonna be my time this sunday morning is the day that jesus is changing me i once was lost but now i'm gonna be found i once was dead but now I'm going to be alive in the name of Jesus Christ. If you're in these rooms and that's you, today I need to get my life right with Christ. My heart is broken, but today I want it to be healed. I just want you to put your hand towards heaven, and I want to know that I'm praying with you as we close. Jesus is going to be the Lord of my life. At all of our campuses, I just want you to keep your hand up so that your campus director can recognize you, so that we know we're praying with you. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody else? hey, Pastor, that's me. I see another hand right here. Is there anybody else say hey pastor that's gonna be me I'm walking out of this place with purpose my heart's gonna be healed In Jesus name is there anybody else say hey pastor that's gonna be me that's gonna be me let's pray together all over our houses Jesus thank you for this day thank you for that person at the limerick campus that's responding right now but well, thank you that this is a monumental life-changing moment this moment's gonna change every other moment about their life every mistake every moment of pain every moment of sorrow, every time they suffered without purpose. Lord, today, their life is going to be different. They're going to leave this place and be a brand new creation. That's what Scripture says. Jesus, thank you for saving us, and thank you for setting us free. Thank you for the three people in Plymouth meeting that are responding right now. Yes. This is a moment that's changing our lives forever. Jesus, thank you for saving our sins. Thank you that you you don't save good people. Lord, you... You say broken people like us. Lord, we can say now that we were once lost and now we're found and we leave this place full of a purpose. Lord, the best moment of our life is not only the moment that we get saved, but it's the moment that we wake up the next day and we realize that we're here for a reason. Lord, I pray that you would birth that. Lord, that you would build and create influencers in this church. Lord, that they would not just go to their job tomorrow. Lord, life is a gift. That our heart is beating, so you have a good and purposeful plan for us, Jesus. So thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you that your word never returns void. Thank you, Lord, that you're going to continue to speak through your word for the remainder of this series. In Jesus' name, that we pray. One more time, Journey Church, would you shout amen? amen. Come on, let's clap together.